Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, what's up? It's Craig. Quick word before we start the podcast, because the commanders made a switcheroo on us. We recorded this around 9 a.m. on Monday morning. We finished around 10 a.m. And immediately after the commanders announced that Trent Williams and Robert Griffin III were being added to the voting for their all-time 90th anniversary team, we talked about both players, actually, Trent more than Robert, not being on the initial list to be voted onto the 90 and their potential places on that list. Obviously, we didn't know that right after the podcast, they would be added for consideration. So with that said, uh, you will now understand the context of the conversation. Everything we said was still relevant. And now, uh, obviously, you can vote based off of uh, the information that we give in part, as well as your own recollections of both players who certainly have their place in Washington's franchise history, but wanted to note that before we hit play. So uh, with that noted, let's hit play. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. On a Monday, welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. LP, how was your weekend, buddy? It's good, man. I'm still on vacation, so, you know, it's great to be up here near the water, my parents' house. It's awesome. So, you know, still not quite back in work mode yet, but this is always a nice bring-me-back-to-reality type of deal. And we got some great stuff on the show today. So the Commanders have put out a list of the, well, 10 years ago, they put out their 80 best players for their 80th year anniversary. Obviously, this year is year 90. They just put out their commemorative patch that they wear on their uniforms this year. And with it, there's a bunch of promotional material. And that is going to include the 90th anniversary list. There are some names to talk about on it that Logan played with. Uh, Logan, I, I guess they put 15 candidates out there. You must have been number 16, man. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I've come to this realization that I will never be on any kind of meaningful list in my entire life uh, with, with regards to football. And what it's about just, a, it's a, you think you could crack like a UCLA list? You know, it's funny. I wasn't even that good at UCLA. I mean, I was like, I started all my time there and I played really well. But like, it wasn't like, there's nothing that like differentiated my career. And like, when I look at these lists, like you need something to like make, like everyone's good, right? When you look back and you watch these, even these old teams, like they're all good players for their era. But what is the thing that separates you from the rest of the pack? And I think that's the thing that's um, more interesting to me about about these lists is what is what are these things that make someone good and then good to great kind of relationships? Yeah. So we'll talk about the guys who did make it on the 15 and, and who might be our 10 or at least some of the votes for our 10. But also there's a pretty large omission. And we will talk about that as well. We'll get to a mailbag question at the end of the podcast. But Logan, let's start with the offensive skill guys getting together out in California, which we learned that was going to happen 
at Terry McLaren's presser last week. So McLaren uh, gets up there, gushes about you know all kinds of different stuff, and is just fantastic at the podium because he's Terry McLaren, and he reminds you why you like that guy so much instantaneously. But he says, right after I'm done with this, I'm hopping on a plane. I'm heading out to California to get together with Carson, and turns out it was not only Carson, but it was Carson, Jahan, Terry, Taylor Heineke was out there to throw with those guys as well. Cole Turner, the rookie tight end, was out there. Curtis Samuel, I believe, was out there. So, and I'm curious if you were ever a part of any of those like throwing sessions in the off season. If guys you know, were doing that when you were playing, and, and if you were ever involved in any of those, and, and what's the value of these guys getting together specific to this group? Because I actually do think. Terry and Carson specifically getting together is it's not like a championship winning big deal, but like it's not nothing. Yeah, no. So when in 2011, the lockout year, the, this team had like a full on seven on seven. So it wasn't mandatory, but it was about as close as mandatory as it probably could have gotten. I remember I stayed at Chris Cooley's house and we drive out to James uh, Mason, James Madison university and we do passing and, Honestly, like that was one of the, um, you know, a big part of my growth because you got to kind of meet other guys on the team and kind of build those relationships. And also you got play, a lot of players coaching you, you know, a lot of like Chris Cooley insight. He was always great about doing that anyway, but it was just he was the coach for that period and kind of talking with him. And then it allowed you to kind of build those relationships with the quarterbacks. And I think it's extremely advantageous. And as I got older, and, uh, you know, later in my career, you know, in Atlanta, Matt Ryan would do that um, every offseason pretty much. And I never went to one of those because I was very covetous of my time with the family. Because unlike those guys that live in Atlanta and stayed with their family the whole offseason, like I was moving to a new city to do the offseason program there. So I was like, well, I get 30 days with my family, so I'm going to make sure I capitalize on that. But I do think it's right. very, very advantageous um especially in the case of terry who missed otas because this is a time for him to kind of build on some of that communication and build that relationship with the quarterback and obviously i think uh the young guys like it's great to see jahan out there the fact that cole turner went i think is really special because you know one of the things you know we talked about austin hooper on this podcast before and you know i mentioned that how you know i just said be in the building more and that'll kind of help foster a relationship with the organization but hoop also made a big commitment to to going wherever Matt went for throwing, Hoop did that, and it just it helped kind of cement that relationship and helped cement that trust. So for the young guys to do that with Carson, I think is great. Um, and it, it's again like, are they going to be? And you know, you talked about this on your podcast about conditioning, like the beep tests and stuff mm-hmm. on your Train with the Best podcast. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is another great kind of position specific conditioning time too right in addition to the relationship stuff that you're getting in addition to the timing stuff you're getting you're also getting guys who are going to be in football shape because they're throwing with an nfl quarterback they're running routes at nfl speeds and i think that's all all great stuff and you get to kind of hang out in la or wherever they're at you know go to the bar at night go to dinner or whatever they're going to do and that's always great for again building that relationship building that trust and that's such a big part of the offense yeah, so the thing with Terry and Carson specifically is I think they can basically make up OTAs. I mean, with, with yeah. the veteran status that those guys have, the thing that was missing in OTAs for them and the thing that I brought up multiple times on this podcast and now you know I've been talking about a little bit on the radio show is that you want to be able to see how a guy moves. 
And if that's both Carson, uh, it really more for Carson to understand how Terry moves. How does he get in and out of his cuts? How does he get in and out of his routes? What do his stems look like? And obviously all this stuff is different against competition and in a team setting, but you at the very least get a baseline of that stuff. And a lot of the drills you're doing in OTAs are, you know, the offense only, you know, they're work, you're working on your stuff, defense only, you're working on their stuff, technique-based, et cetera, throwing a lot of routes on air, and then you do obviously eventually get into the team situations. But all that routes on air stuff where Jahan was able to get the extra reps and all the benefits that you talk about, for guys that are as veteran as Carson and Terry, they don't need a ton of it. They just need enough to realize, like, hey, this is what it looks like when Terry runs an out. This is what Terry lo- it looks like when Terry runs a comeback. This is how he comes out of his break. This is the timing of it. This is the speed of it. And you can do that stuff on air, on your own time, and they just made up that portion of OTAs. Do they make up everything they missed? No. Do they get the coaching of their actual coaches? No. But to me, that was the biggest thing is instead of the first route that Carson Wentz ever sees Terry McLaurin run in person being on their first snap together in August or I guess late July, later this month, the 28th is when camp opens. It happened early July and then they can pick back up there and much, much, much closer to where Carson and all the guys that were at OTAs picked up. Uh, are, are picking up based off of those reps they had together uh, in, in the organized team activities and the minicamp. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. I think the other thing that's so important for for fans and, and, and fans of football to understand is when you are building this relationship with a quarterback, it's not just how the receiver's running the route, it's how the quarterback sees certain coverages and how that is communicated, right? So if it's cover two, how do you want the angle of the slant to be? If it's cover two, how do you want the angle of the corner to be versus cover three? If it's uh, if I'm the bender, if I'm running a seam on the inside, how do you want me to run this versus quarters? How do you want me to run this versus cover two? And again, every quarterback has little different things that they like and little different preferences that they want. And so to get that kind of communication started, for Terry to kind of start adjusting his game to Carson and Carson kind of being able to communicate what he likes and doesn't like and get their vision to be the same, you know, because one of the things I was talking to my um, my uncle last night and he was, you know, what makes Tom Brady so great? And, you know, obviously there's all these kind of things that Tom Brady does, but Tom Brady also knows exactly what he wants and he's able to communicate that to the people that he's playing with, right? And he understands that Edelman, when he runs a choice, is going to break in versus this leverage and Tom's going to be able to wait a beat longer and throw that football and building that type of trust and chemistry doesn't just happen with running routes it happens with communication so again for them to get together to start communicating to start seeing things the same way and again the timing of the actual route is important like you alluded to that's 100% accurate but I think the more maybe the more important thing is is just building these communicational you know, kind of lines and kind of the vision, uh, seeing the defense in the same way. And, um, and again, that, that's going to continue to build as they go through, you know, like you mentioned training camp and all that stuff, OTA or training camp and mini and, um, preseason, excuse me. But I think that that's something that, um, really I think needs to, needs to like the foundation needed to be laid. I'm really glad they got that started now, especially. Right. And I now have this like vision of, Terry and Carson talking about a route, doing it, and they're just like, Jahan, 
go play safety. And he's like, Cole, go play this. And, you know, the, 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 not picking on the rookies, but being like, hey, we need you We need you to go go be here. And that's the kind of stuff that can happen at these kinds of things. It's like, okay, if the safety is playing it this way, we're going to do this. And to be able to get those reps, again, like you said, because I also wonder, like, how much time are they spending watching film? How much time mm. are they spending doing stuff that's beyond, like, okay, let's go out there for an hour and a half and throw. Right. Because you know that's that part's happening, and they have certain things, and you know these guys have been around long enough, especially Carson and Terry, and, and at this point Taylor in the system too. I think it's great yeah. that that Heineke's out there because you know he's played with Scott Turner basically his entire career, and so to have if there is some kind of disagreement, not like a combative disagreement, just like a, a hey, well I'm used to this. Terry's like I'm used to this. Right. Hey Taylor, what do you think here? Like that's really valuable input to have someone who ter- Taylor has the experience of playing last year with Terry, and also has the experience of being with Scott over what five six years of his career in multiple right. different stops and, and understanding this offense at a level that you know he won the job last year after Fitzpatrick went out. Yeah, and I think that's that's a fantastic point. Like Matt Schaub in Atlanta used to go to these throwing things, and Matt Schaub wasn't going to build chemistry. He was there to kind of be a sounding board for for Matt. And I understand this relationship, the Heineke Wentz relationship, is a little bit different because it's it's the duration is so much shorter. But it's nice to have someone you can kind of look to and be like, you've been in the system. What is Scott going to do here? How does Scott want this? Then then we can kind of build our communication. Terry, Carson, all these other players around that framework. So it's nice to have someone there that can kind of guide the conversation when it gets into those kind of nebulous situations, which often happen in football. So I 100% agree with that. And it's very cool that Heineke went out there and did that. I think props to him because it's not always easy after being the guy to go out there and kind of play second fiddle to to the new guy. But that shows that uh, great leadership and being a great teammate. and, And I think that's pretty fantastic by him. What do you think Jahan gets out of this going out there and finally after much much wanting to getting to be with Terry and, and meet mm-hmm. him and, and spend some time and, and watch him work? Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any question that Jahan's going to be a fine pro. I don't know if he's going to be a pro bowler. I don't know, but he's going to be a fine NFL football player. Um, but I do think that when you have a guy like Terry who's been productive for a long time, it's nice to kind of see that live and in living color and again, build that chemistry and build that relationship with him and it's someone you're going to be in the room with every single day for the next you know six seven months and so you want that relationship to be very positive and again I think it's just fantastic to build more chemistry with the quarterback if I look at the best quarterback receiver tandems that I played with they were I don't want to say they were best friends but they got along really really well and they trusted each other and you know even when I was down at tight end university Greg Olson said him and Cam they they had this routine where if the ball was incomplete in practice, Greg knew that he could go right up to Cam and be like, hey, man, what did you see there? And they would get that hashed out even before the next play was called. And that's this is the type of stuff that allows you to build that communication style with the quarterback. Because not every quarterback wants to be negotiating you know, your rep of the previous play for, before the next ball is even snapped. But this allows you to kind of see what Carson likes, what Carson doesn't. And that applies not only to Terry, but it applies to Jahan, that applies to Cole Turner, that applies to Curtis Samuel. All those guys now have that opportunity to build that. And that is the, I mean, as much as people want to say it's about height, weight, speed, or whatever, it's that relationship with the quarterback and that trust that you can develop that allows you to be an exceptional receiver in the NFL. And obviously you need those other elements, those those kind of metrics, those combine metrics. But the relationship with the quarterback and understanding how he sees stuff 
is, I want to say, almost more important for those guys who've got the height, weight, speed stuff. That's what differentiates them. Like Julio and Matt were like best buds. They'd hang out in the locker. They'd have their notes. They'd go confirm after the meeting, oh, this is the way I saw this. This is the way I saw this. And that's why they had such fantastic chemistry. And this is just the first foundational piece of that. And it's nice that they're doing it on their own. And it's nice that they're doing it ahead of training camp. And I think that um, it bodes well for those relationships. Does it mean they're going to be best friends and everything's going to be copacetic day one? No, but it's a good starting plus, starting spot. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I guess we'll see when we get out there later this month. I can't believe it's later this month. Later this yeah. month for training camp to see how that chemistry has developed.